listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome back to the Transformations with Jane podcast. It's great to have you back on the show today. Thank you. I'm delighted to have been invited back. I often don't get asked to return. Oh, really? (laughs) I don't know where that would be. No, no, I love to have a check-in with some of my previous guests. So it's great to just sort of show what has happened in the, you know, several years since they, since you were on the show last time. And yeah, just to show progress, isn't it great to stop and sort of just have a look at all the things that you've done uh, over the time since we last spoke, which was in October 2019. Ah, PC. <sighs> Back then we were fresh-faced and innocent and all of that. Uh, I went and had listened to us. And apart from the audio being not so great, yeah, we were sort of excited for what was coming. You were about to go to Portugal, was it? On Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That sounded like an amazing yeah. trip you were about to take. Uh, I was about it to move was. to Sweden. I was like one month away from moving to oh Sweden. And we know how that turned well, out. you did I move to back. Sweden. I did. It was amazing. I loved it. And then we got sent back again. And here we are. Got a taste of the good life. But that was an experience in itself to, mm. yeah, experience that way to live a life. So mm. I'm very grateful for that and experience in that way. And, yeah, so Jennifer, for those who have never heard of you and they're like, who is this Jennifer person? Please introduce oh yourself. My goodness. We're living under a rock now. <laughs> so yeah, um, right. <laughs> I'm a facilitator and a coach and a podcaster and an artist and a mother and a community builder. Um, any more hats I'm That's all? wearing? No, yeah. There's probably some more. There's probably some a more. Spartan, a Spartan weekend warrior. Well, yeah, I'm a, uh, yeah, I just did a race recently and it it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Okay. Getting well, back getting to, back to it. it. Yes, I'm yep. a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love Harry Potter. Yes, I love Harry Potter too. Um, yes. yes, we have something in, yes. in, uh, in common there. And uh, recently, uh, actually, that's something which has changed since uh, our last one, because I got Disney Plus and in like lockdown, mm. I said, I'm going to watch all the Marvel movies. So I'm quite interested in, in uh, Marvel these days as well. I may also admit that I am a little bit interested in Marvel movies, too, now, thanks to my daughter who somehow watched one of these and I don't know how she even started it but she started watching one of these and she was like oh my god these are great and then she started watching all of them and mommy watch these with me and so yeah I was like actually these are quite cool and Good, quite yeah. fun and oh there's so many of them <laughs> <laughs> what is this yeah. strange universe so now she's a huge Marvel fan too oh cool yeah did she watch uh, Moon Knight Moonlight Moon Knight oh Moon Knight sorry yes oh Moon yeah. Knight that's is that the new one 
yes, yes. just just finished but now there's a new one so as we're recording I think it's coming out next week or mm. this week Miss Marvel okay. like kind of coming of age oh, wow. teen one. I'm sure she'll be on to it because I was made to sign up for a year of Disney plus yes. I was kind of like just for the summer holidays or you know just for to get through golden week and they were like no don't take away our subscription so I may have signed up for a year anyway <laughs> well that is why that is why I started watching because like I'm paying for this Disney plus um thing and nobody's watching it so I'm going to get my right. money's worth out of it and I love Tom Hiddleston as well so let's watch the Marvel movies right and now I'm watching Obi-Wan Kenobi as well which is right. great I believe anyway I don't think we're here to anyway yes, yes. Don't, Disney plus could be some good fandom. stuff in there people but anyway yeah <laughs> Yeah, my fandom experiences. Yes, yes. so uh, Jennifer, you're a facilitator. Uh, many, 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 many things that you uh, told us all about. You came to Japan a few years before me, yes. wasn't it? It's 1999. 1999. 1999. The last millennium. As an English teacher. Yep. And you have recreated, well, not recreated, but yeah, transformed into who you are today on yeah. this podcast. So give us a quick rundown of your history. How did that look? From 1999 mm. or since? Yeah, okay. party like it's 1999. <laughs> party like it's 1999. I had an English literature degree from Oxford University, decided I wanted to spend a year living overseas. Um, came to Japan instead of going to Italy, thinking I could go to Italy anytime. Mm. I haven't been back to Italy since then. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> which needs to be rectified. I... Oh dear, worked in an English conversation school, English language school for four years, including at their head office, joined a recruitment company and worked there for 12 years um, in sales, training, sales operations and marketing, and decided to return to my training kind of roots um, in 2016 when I set up my recruitment, a recruitment business? No, not recruitment business. <laughs> what? I can't remember <laughs> what I'm doing. What a terrible pitch. I I yeah, set what, up what is my, it you do? Uh, training company. So it's just me, team of one. Mm. I bring in different partners on different projects. Um, but I generally work around the themes of Ikigai and inclusion. Um, most of my clients are corporate. Mm. Um, so I work a lot with international teams. And uh, yeah, I like the opportunities to get people to see lots of different perspectives and to be open to what other ways there are of like looking at the world and approaching different challenges and different opportunities. So that's what I love about that part of my mm. job. And then kind of these other transformations that happened since mm. I was approached to write a book about Ikigai and I put in a couple of proposals and the agent said, oh, it's great, but it's only your voice. So you need to get some other people other people's experiences with Ikigai. I thought, well, I've got to interview people. I need to record to get the transcript. And if I need to get the transcript and record it, why don't I launch a podcast? And um, I went through a bit of kind of uh, bootstrapping that with my assistant, uh, the wonderful Laura. Mm. Then it was just getting kind of too much. And that's when you were doing more work with your podcast business. And you said, Jen, your podcast is quite nice, That's but right. uh, I don't think anyone knows yeah. it exists. And uh, you've really, you've transformed the podcasts. So that's pretty interesting how that has grown. Yeah, I think you were client number two. Really? Yes. Wow. Because wow. I think I helped you get it going and like 
when I was still back in Sweden, I think I helped yeah. you to sort of, I do remember making you record your intro and outro because you kept avoiding yes, you it, did. right? Yes. <laughs> and, and we had to do that. Um, yeah. But yes, and um, then, so you were officially client number two ever. Wow. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, oh that's so I thought cool. you did. Oh, there you go. No, oh. I didn't know I was client number two. You did a good job of uh, making me think you had more than one client. Impressive. <laughs> Impressive. I like your sales skills. Um, but uh, I think when you came back later on, after you tried to bootstrap it yourself, you weren't number two then. But yeah, then I wasn't. Were, okay, that was yeah. the point. Yes, that's, yes. That's it was the very early days. And then there was like yeah. more. And um and that just yes. goes to show how much work goes into one of these episodes that goes out, right? That you don't yeah. see on the back end. It all looks so easy. And um, oh, yes, you just well, pop it them is out. really easy. It is really easy yeah. because now uh, <laughs> Pod Launch with Jane does everything, <laughs> you and your team. So it's really easy for me. And I get to do the thing which I enjoy, which is talking to my guests. Yeah. So, um, yeah, now we have Ikigai with Jennifer Shinkai as a podcast, another podcast from a woman in Japan, an international woman in Japan. So I really love that this little community has grown and grown. It's not such a little community anymore of yeah. podcasters. And you're celebrating your seventh business anniversary this year. Yes. Right? So in, in the cheeky counting that many companies do when they're less than 10 years old, which is this is the start of year seven. Yes, so yes, yes, but it's the so seventh anniversary. Years. Yes, <laughs> I remembered that we did that in my old company, Wall Street, and then everyone got confused. And then at one point, we said, "Okay, we need to." Now we're more than ten years old. Let's you know not pretend that we were in year you know that kind of we're in year one mm -hmm. or we're in year zero. Mm -hmm. That talk. So I wonder if it's actually six anniversary. But yeah, we'll get there I think eventually. my brain can't. can't. No, no, this. me too. Just, me like, too. I'm quite surprised that I can't work this out yet. I've managed to keep my business running for that long. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Just lean forward. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, hmm. yeah. So it's um, it's it's been a, it's been quite the ride. Um, especially these last couple of years, yes. like it's really changed. Talk about like transformative experiences in the world. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about March 2020. I think that was sort of a pivotal month for you in this whole COVID story. Yeah, well, I think it was probably pivotal for many people yeah. because that was when, like, you know, the world paused and the global lockdowns happened and we all kind of went into it together at that point. It wasn't just this thing in Asia. It came across the world and everything stopped right yeah. uh, borders closed um everybody is in a wait and see holding pattern and i had this thought because i'm a facilitator i used to do all my work face to face i'd be going around tokyo with my little you know suitcase with my laptop and some post-it notes mm -hmm. and kush ball and spend all my day on my feet in rooms with people and of course all my clients said uh, everything's cancelled like <laughs> Totally understand. Totally yeah. understand. And then I was going, okay, well, totally understand, but I need to do something. Otherwise, I'll go mad. And I was in the shower and I was like, it can't just be me. It must be other people. I was like, okay, hang on. I'm gonna make um, I'm gonna make this little community. And then I had like this full download of exactly what it was gonna be like, exactly what I wanted to happen. And um 
I was so productive. Um, I just like got the whole structure. We were going to have Monday morning meetings. We were going to have Wednesday check-ins and we're going to have Friday, like TGIF. It was going to be all online through Zoom. Um, Anyone was welcome as long as they felt like my business has been impacted by COVID and they didn't have to be in Japan, particularly. They just needed to be that these were comfortable time zones. And yeah, and all the branding was there. It was like really weird, actually, like a full, full on download. And one mm. transformation thought I had in that moment of setting up this group was I had a story that I can't be productive on the first day of my period. And that is now no longer true. Okay. I can create oh, a what is a yeah. now 400 person plus Facebook community mm. on the first day of my period. <laughs> I thought I just had to like lie in bed, feel sorry for myself and take (laughs) a lot of painkillers and generally be like low energy. So that was another transformative uh, (laughs) thought. So Make March Matter is the name of the group um, because I thought that COVID would only last for one month Um, and I would write my book. (laughs) And then the next day after I decided to launch it was when the prime minister at the time, which I guess was Abe-san, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, decided he would close the schools. So I went, okay, my book's not going to get written, but all my work is still cancelled. So, okay, let's carry on. And it just, um, it gave me, it, you know, talk about Ikigai. It literally gave me a reason to get out of bed. The Monday morning meetings at 8.30. Yeah. Like it, I got out mm. of bed. I had to be presentable. I had to be there for people. Um yeah, and as I said, we're we're still going. Thank you for being a member. Yeah, exactly. This this community still exists, and even though COVID has kind of transformed as well as we've gone along, and the potentially people's need for the group has slightly yeah. decreased, I would say. But they just love to come along and say hi and see everyone and check in and do all the things that you did uh, back when. There was yeah. suddenly no structure to mm. everyone's day. Mm. So I think it's become kind of a habit for lots of people. And I'm always thinking, oh, what have I got on this Friday? Can I join or can I not? Or, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday. Uh, I can't make it this week. Oh, well, someone else will be there. It'll be okay. But yeah, always come back to it and yeah. keep it in mind. And yeah. So if you're listening and you're like, well, this make much matter sounds really great. I wish I could have joined. Well, you still can because it's open still and we're still accepting yes, members. Yes, absolutely. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And still new members arriving yeah. in most yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. sort of actively Very like actively group. recruit yeah. for it, but um, people find it mm. and come along and it's, yeah, yeah it's really nice. But I, and I will always keep it online first. Right. Mm. that's a nice thing yeah <laughs> I feel especially as a, a rural person <laughs> that the online is the main form of how this group uh, works yeah and occasionally there are face-to-face slightly more now than ever before but they're still not the main way that the group works right yeah mm. I, I mean that's been like you know other transformations that have happened because of my business now you know mm. I I probably will do a face-to-face workshop in July, the first one oh, wow. since March, 2020. Um, and when the client first mentioned it to me, they said, oh, it's a two-day offsite. And I just said, I can't do a two-day offsite. I said, I, don't, I, I just, I can't do a two-day offsite as my first like back in the field. Mm-hmm 
space. I don't think I have the energy for mm. it. I don't know how to hold the room for that long. Um, so I was quite proud of myself for, you know, sort of setting that expectation with the client. Like I, it's, it's too much for me to do in the first day. And then they were like, oh no, it's going to be two days for us, but we only need you for half a day. I was like, okay, I can manage that. Good. Oh, phew. <laughs> Yeah. I could do that. <laughs> and I'm having a co-facilitator as well. So mm. between the two of us, we should manage four hours, I'm, I'm hoping. So, but what it's enabled me to do is, you know, my clients are in all different locations. Um, I do more kind of little and often programs, mm. you know, two hours, uh, two yeah. to three hour sessions, um, but over several weeks or months. Whereas before it was like, yeah, come in for a two day offsite and then you, I wouldn't see people again. Right. So it's really nice to be able to do that review. And um, yeah, do you remember what we talked about last month? And everyone goes, oh, no, okay, hang on. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. yeah. And like building, building on yeah, it. So yeah. Yeah. So do you think you'd like to continue in this way moving forward? Or have you found the right balance between like the sort of online on face to face or? I did, I, yeah, in progress. I feel like I, it's a little bit of a dirty secret. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like online work mm. because I like <laughs> right yeah. and yeah. and I know that there's many facilitators who cannot wait to get back into the face to face environment. But I was reading an article that was talking about. Um, how dangerous that type of language is from, uh, not necessarily from facilitators, but from leaders inside organizations. And it really struck a chord with me because when people say this is an important meeting, so it has to be done face to face. For those people who are looking for a different type of flexibility or who are always remote, how does it set up that different kind of classes of employees in your organization? Um, so it's, yeah, I, I just, many organizations have made great steps forward in terms of bringing in different types of talent who want different types of lifestyles, different types of flexibilities and approaches. And now it's all like, okay, back to, back to the old ways. And I've got used to the flexibility, being here, see my kids when they come home from school, my husband cooking every meal. <laughs> like I've got used to that. I don't want him to go back to the mm. office full time. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to go back to the office full time. Right. So he's he's at home yeah. doing his work yeah. from home yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh wow. I did not know that. I have not. He's not not popped in in the background in the last two and a half years. I'm not seen himself him himself once. on the kitchen table. No. Oh, he's at the kitchen yeah. table and oh occasionally and yeah, oh, he's yeah. happy right like yeah at the kitchen um, table occasionally mm. you know but it still has to go into the office sometimes but not not so much mm. yeah it's nice we get to he makes my lunch oh. makes my dinner it's interesting how everyone has their like I don't know like now you've experienced the working from home you're you would like yeah. to say that whereas my husband was like yeah I'm going to the office bye so yeah kind of thing <laughs> he wants to get to the office I think he just likes to go there, do his work and come home. Yeah. And whereas I'm like, no, I like to work a bit, do some other things, come back to my work, be here when my kids are home. Yeah. That to me, that is just perfect. Yeah. Don't make but me go I into the also, office. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do... I'd also worked from home since oh. 2016. Right. Yes. You same. We were prepared. So, right? yeah, yeah. So I hadn't had hadn't had an office environment, but I had been doing. It's great now. Just you know, more meetings. Is, do we do we need to meet face to face for this? Do I need to travel an hour mm, to you? Mm. Do all that. You know, checking in. Mm, we can mm. actually do this quite effectively. Twenty minutes online and done. Right. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yeah. So um, sorry, my earphone keeps coming out my ear. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> occupational hazard, maybe mm. from being online, right. but. So I think I think there's something. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for that, but I'm open to having variety, and I'm also one of those because I want to work with international teams as well. Mm. Um, I think that there are. I, I think you know, international travel has changed. People have seen how much can be there and it's still not very easy for APAC wide teams to come you know I have a client who um she's managing the team in Japan and she still can't get here because she can get here from the, the visa perspective right now but when she returns to I think it's she's Hong Kong yeah Hong Kong is this three weeks three or four weeks in quarantine still oh my goodness mm. so it's got to be a really 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 important meeting right and she was even saying like the only quarantine hotel she could find was like a two-star hotel so you know you love your team but you really not for three weeks in quarantine no. not for three weeks in quarantine in a tiny tiny room yeah no not no. not good oh my goodness so mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit bit challenging still. I think across APAC, the borders are not so super super open in the same way, um, and we have we have to remember that that our what's happening for us in our country wherever we are is not going to be echoed. No, no, everywhere around no, the world, it's not. And even now that you know we're seeing people traveling more again, it's been quite a disaster so far, hasn't it? Of like just the UK and things with just not going very well with having all these flights and then nobody to check the people in or process the bags and all these sort of things it's just not coming back together just quite how we thought so I'm like yeah. thank god I have nowhere to go and I just have to stay home <laughs> there you go there you go you see you were worried you had your FOMO about like yeah, I was I'm telling like... you about my plans for the summer and you're like Oh, now I don't, I don't have to be. I don't feel so bad anymore. For, yeah, you know, four hours at Birmingham Airport. I'll be thinking of you, Jen. So. <laughs> I think by the time you yeah. get there, it's going to be okay, though, right? Like they're going to be sorted out. Yeah. Potentially, I don't know. I don't know. It's just we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'll I'll, I'll update you. Yes, you can do another podcast afterwards. You can text me from the airport. <laughs> yeah, how was the trauma of that? Yeah. So. Mm. yeah oh dear we'll see so another thing that's come out of the pandemic for you yes. has been and I can see it on the wall behind you there even though this is an audio podcast you know Jennifer always has a display of pictures behind her that she has created herself recently so tell us a bit about your coming back to artwork yes what was the catalyst for that like was there something that happened that you well pre the trip that we talked about last time I had been doing a points of view workshop where I said as an outcome it was this my life's wish list in the uh, level two academy creative practice I said I'm going to invite more art into my life so it was already sort of there as I was having this calling and an itch that really needed to be scratched like more and more I need I 
just need to get my hands into something with creative expression, which is coming from um, like putting together workshops and creating spaces is not quite enough or it's not quite um, because I do see Mm. like being a facilitator is a form of creative expression. I'm yeah, creating space and creating atmosphere. But there was something more about tangible something. And so that was already in my mind before the trip in December 2019. It got solidified on that trip. And mm-hmm. then pandemic and someone in the points of community, Kid Tan, was doing like, I'm going to do these stress relieving art classes with uh, online. She's in Malaysia. And I went along. And then I carried on going along. And the, the class has changed massively. Like at the beginning, it was loads of adults, a couple of kids. And it, the timing kept changing and it was quite big at the beginning because everyone was in lockdown and the schools were all closed in Malaysia. Um, and then it's gradually over time has shifted to I'm the only adult in the class, apart from Kido. Um, and the, the, the average age of the students, mm-hmm. like nine. And they're all girls. Uh, we, we recently, one, one girl could no longer come anymore, which is a shame. And they're so talented and so sweet. And what I love about it is everyone just like shares their work and then no critiques, wow. really lovely. Yeah. Uh, so we, I started like no, no shyness about, oh, this is not really very good. No. Here's my apple or whatever. No, they just share. Mm. Yeah. And so especially when there, were, there used to be um, a couple more younger kids and just they tell the stories about their work and what they were trying to express through their art and it was just so beautiful and so creative and it made me really playful mm. and then one time um they started to do this giraffe somebody wanted to learn like we were out like what do you want to learn to draw I want to learn how to draw a giraffe so we started doing a giraffe um and my first giraffe picture I really hated but many people actually say they quite like it but anyway then I missed a lesson and when I came back <laughs> the challenge was um can giraffe swim and so we had to draw a picture mm-hmm. of a giraffe swimming what would it look like mm-hmm. use your imagination mm-hmm. and uh we did all these other pictures and kiddo said oh we should write a book mm-hmm. let's write stories like connecting this giraffe with the swimming giraffe and how did it end up in the water uh, so we wrote these stories and then she said yeah we should publish a book and then I somehow in my brain said I will publish a book mm. And so I published a book called Can Giraffe Swim? Woohoo. Yes. Woohoo. Your first. And um, first. I'm just looking because I've got a, a, a picture over here because in July, actually, um, the lovely Cynthia Usui has said I can exhibit the works. Okay. So all the original Ooh. artworks from Can Giraffe Swim and Gus, which is the book which I published this year, um, will be displayed in the lobby of her hotel. Loft wow, Shimbashi. That's so exciting. Links in the show notes. Yeah. The Shimbashi. What's it called again? The Loft. Loft. L-O-F. L-O-F. Yeah. L-O-F hotel. That, as a hotel, I yeah. definitely want to stay in next time I'm in Tokyo with more than just myself. But I think it's quite family yes. friendly, right? They have a really nice yes. uh, family rooms there. Um, yes. Well, that's exciting. Your first. It was a very long and boring story. I told it. I need to get better at uh, doing that <laughs> concisely. Sorry. But, you know, but for yes. the first timer. Um, you came back to uh, this creative thing that you had sort of, it wasn't your first time to be creative, but you'd always been quite creative as a student when, before you 
went and got a proper real job and all of that, right? And it took a pandemic for you to find it again. And you've now published not one picture book, but two. And another yes. book is in the works, which was always in the works before, but it's still coming, right? The, yes, mm. yes. That is in submission. And uh, at the moment, beyond beyond my touch with editors. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Reviewing. Exciting. And then saying, we're not sure the market can bear another book on Ikigai. <laughs> but uh, you heard it here first. But hopefully, hopefully we can persuade them that it can. Uh, yes. So tell us a little bit about being consciously incompetent <laughs> with something that is your like in this case it's work yeah how about that process of like sharing your artwork I mean obviously you had some good practice in this group with these kids right and they were just like here's my artwork and and you shared and but then you had to go into the world of adults right and share your work how was that it was quite interesting. I think the consciously incompetent is a little different. It's a different piece. So I'll come to that in a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's two pieces. Sorry. But definitely <laughs> it's it's very vulnerable, um, but then also not. Like I remember when I published Can Giraffe Swim, because I just held it really lightly. But one of the saddest things that I heard from people was like, oh, I've always wanted to publish a children's book. And I felt quite bad because I'm like, I've never wanted to publish a children's book, but I did it. Which is not to say like, oh, oh, look at me. But actually there's many things which 10, 15 years ago were really like high barrier to entry um, from a content creation point of view. And now, you know, you want to publish a children's book? publish a children's book will it sell lots of copies and make you money no uh but if you want to have like that legacy or that like itch scratched it's really popular you want to make a short film yeah go for it um will millions of people see it and you get funding maybe not but can you can you do the thing yes so i think there's kind of more more opportunities and just easy to uh, and, and kind of leads to like there's so much content out there so it's hard as a consumer to what should I look at and what should I not but I think also it's it's very easy for people to just have a go yeah I think it's a good chance to check in with that dream again and see is it still as difficult as you thought it was going to be like 10 years ago because chances are it's not yeah right? technology wise yes we can do loads of things we couldn't do before so potentially yeah. that dream is, is a lot closer than you think Time to check in again with yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, whatever that might be. Mm. You know, I mean, and this is actually interesting because I've self-published and then I'm also going the traditional publishing route with the Ikigai book. It's so different because if you self-publish, it's just up to you. You can, you know, do that. But of course, your reach is going to be smaller and how you can connect to people. It's going to be different, but you can just do it. Now I'm in the position where, you know, uh, my agent is and, and and what I've got in the proposal is is trying to persuade people that there's a market right and it's nothing about writing the book it's going this is worth investing in and people will buy it um, so it's quite and as a first-time non-fiction author right or first time anything that's a big ask for a publisher to go why should we put any money behind this and so it's just a different perspective so some of these you know self 
self-funded stuff, if you just want to do it because you've always wanted to do it, you can do it. You know, the, what's it called? Can't giraffe swim, what's it called? Can't giraffe swim, I'm thinking the process. I thought I had to like get these high quality professional photos done of the artwork. And I, and I went to Kinko's and like tried to get, and I thought they were going to send them off somewhere. No, they couldn't. And then we did it on the, the Kinko's machine. It wasn't that good. I didn't like the, how the, the vibrancy of the colors came out. So I went to the 7-Eleven convenience store, put it on the highest DPI. And those are the images which I used in the book. I found an amazing guy uh, called Chris uh, from Authors First on uh, Fiverr. And he did the design. Emails back and forth. I think it was about $50 for the layout of the text and the covers and he got it all ready to put up onto uh, Amazon KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, done. So it was, you know, a couple of hundred yen plus $50. Of course, I had the artwork and everything, but those things that you think are going to cost a lot of money don't go. necessarily cost a lot of money. So yeah, I yeah. love what you said. Go back and go back yeah, and check totally. in. Yeah, there might be a way to do it now. I just made line stamps. You did, and I bought them. Yes, I did am you? the owner. Have you used them? I keep forgetting to use them. Yes, because uh, I don't have any line stamps. I've never bought any line stamps before, and I'm like, oh, I don't want line to have any of my payment details. You know, this is my thought yeah. process around that. And then you were like, oh, I've made line stamps. I was like, damn it, I need line. I do need some. So I'm like, why don't I figure this out? And then I figured it out. I can pay with Apple Pay, and somehow I, you know, that. That seemed okay to me. So I bought them 120 yes. yen. Can we put that in the show notes? Yes, <laughs> yes, please do. Yes, give me a link. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, what's your yeah, favorite you stamp? Google, which, which is your um, most so used? I quite, um, I quite often, because it's the most um, useful kind of one, I think I use okay. okay yeah. One, yeah. Um, and the thank you yes. one. And I'm waiting to see someone t say to me, where did you get your stamps? Because I can't wait to share them. But um, I don't use line much. So I have not had much of a chance to use them. But the yes, oh, then the yes one as yes. well. Okay. Um, so I'm looking for some opportunities to use the other right. ones. But I don't have any other stamps. So it's, you know, I'm being very loyal to my giraffes, hand giraffes. <laughs> Good old Georgie. <laughs> stamps. But, yeah, we definitely transitioned from just the plain old, thumbs up you know like the, right. the, oh, the standard so ones exciting. that you have that's really nice to hear I keep forgetting to use yes. them myself but you know it's another thing like oh I can make line stamps cool yeah like how does how does one do that like is it just you just upload little images yeah. to something online there's and... a there's an app line stamp maker oh, line stamp app maker yeah and Ooh, um I was I was inspired to do it because my friend's 11 year old daughter Mm -hmm. made some line stamps and I bought her line oh, stamps really? after her mom posted it on Facebook mm. and then I was like please get her to tell me how to do it and then I was like actually I'll just google this myself and it's available mm. all in English uh, so mm. that was easy and it takes a couple of days for them to um, yeah, approve it mm -hmm. and of course if you're you can do them private ones as well or you can do right. uh, for sale so I actually made sure. some family line stamps mm. which have like um, you know, my husband's head in an onigiri. Uh, you can use photos and stuff in your thing. Sure. And it's like hungry. Yeah. Uh, so, but those are not for sale. <laughs> those are not for sale. Shame. Yeah. But and I'll make some for Gus as well. I'll I'll make some line oh, stamps oh, for Gus. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So if you sold like a million, <laughs> then you might get what like 
Ah, uh, the royalties are so tiny. Um, yeah, I think it's something like so on 120 yen, and I'll, I'll we'll find out at the end of the month when it when it comes through. Thirty mm-hmm. percent goes to Apple Pay or whoever, and then I think you get fifty percent of what's left oh, on 120 good. yen. So maybe if you sold a million, it's kind of gets worth it. But I've yeah, probably yeah. sold like ten. Got- I'm guessing from right. what people have said on social media that mm-hmm, I've bought mm-hmm. some. So. Oh, yeah, fun. I'll get something nice in the 100 year shop. But hey, you know, like it's a fun yes. thing. Like people can support at all kinds of levels, yes. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, making that, um, like when someone near you does something, it's like, oh, oh, I could try that yeah. too. Oh, Jennifer published a book. I could have a go too. Yeah. Or some, you know, Jennifer made line stamps. Yeah, transformation oh, like of the Jane line stamps. stamps. Let's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so she's podcasting i can podcast yeah. too yeah it's great it's inspirational to other people exactly. around. so that's very very cool yeah so then we come to the in incompetence competence no what is it <laughs> so there's a conscious co- conscious link no. so there's a, a learning cycle which begins with i'm unconsciously incompetent like i don't know what i don't mm. know i don't know right? I don't. and then the next is consciously incompetent so i realize mm. there's loads of things that i don't know and i can't do then you become hang on consciously, consciously competent. competent so mm. you it's it's not like riding a bike you have to really pay attention and then unconsciously competent so yeah like riding a bike you don't need to pay attention you can do the skill um, without any effort and yeah, um, thinking about yeah it. yeah and mm. I <laughs> signed up for an art class um, so it's three hours a week for eight weeks Saturday nights um, uh, oh, a, that's how you're spending your that Saturday is how nights. I'm spending my Saturday nights uh, oh. plus doing the the homework and the prep and um, it's amazing course but goodness me beginner's mind really sucks and that feeling of like ah, oh, you know yeah being consciously incompetent like I'm, I'm going realizing like okay I can't see color I don't understand color relativity there's all this language which I don't know and then <laughs> the other day we were doing this thing color mixing I was really happy with the colors on my palette great 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 it's my first time to use oils I'd never used oils before I'm like, okay got it. I'm happy with this and then they're like now you need to describe the form you actually need to paint and I was like put the paintbrush to the paper it's like well that doesn't look anything like you know these are all nice colors but the colors I'm observing and the color which I have you know, um, your palette is it's, not. No, it's not the same at all. Work. It was like, oh, you know, back to the literal. Yeah. Well, not the drawing board. Back yeah. to the palette um, and mm-hmm. back to the canvas. Uh, so it was. It's interesting to be in that discomfort of learning, um, and I hadn't felt it so acutely for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. To really be like, oh, I'm not good at this. <laughs> I hope I get good soon. <laughs> yeah. I hope this gets better soon. Yeah. 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 And just so things that, right? yeah. And it was that, and I've just got all this conscious incompetence about, wow, my vocabulary around color is so limited. Mm-hmm. And my understanding of, yeah, color and how it interacts and the relativity of it was not even in my mm. brain you had no idea you no, don't know so yeah, yeah. 
unconsciously, unconsciously mm-hmm. incompetent for so long. And now, so I've just kind of like peeled this first layer of the onion and it's making me yeah, cry. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's making me cry. Not quite literally, but so many times in that class, you know, it's, and I think what's really good as a learner is just to be like Ian or Sandra. Um, yeah. What am I supposed <laughs> to do with, you know, this thing? Oh. <laughs> um, and once I was doing some activity and it just went, I think you're doing the wrong. I think you've done a different project. <laughs> I think you do, you've done something completely different than I've asked you to do. So I'm like, okay, please oh, slow down. Yeah. It's like, it's mm. good. And I'm going to ask you to do that later, but that's not actually what I've asked you to do uh, at this point. It's like, oh, okay. Wow. That um, must be like, I mean, I think you have been a good student in your lifetime, you know, it's yeah. sort of, you know, being able to keep up with what's going on. So feeling that, oh, I'm behind, I don't know what's going on could be like, yeah, yeah. really interesting experience. Yeah, exactly. And it's really challenging because a lot of, pe- of the other people in the class quite quiet. So I'm going, I hope this isn't jammer, you know, I hope I'm not disturbing people, but they're not speaking and it's not like I'm speaking all the time also you know I've paid like 300 quid for this class so I want to make sure I come away with getting when we have the time together and and and, and, you know the tutors have said it's fine like your everybody's questions are always relevant for everyone so watching your process and hearing my feedback on your process helps them as well so it's it's good but you know you have that little bit like there you go yeah yeah well I'm in awe that you have taken this on in addition to everything else with your parenting and your busy busy business and all these things that you have you're not just doing it by heart it's not just I feel like painting a picture that you've gone you're putting yourself through these courses you're publishing books amazing very very impressive And I hope you inspire lots of other people to give something a go again. Or yeah, like we just yeah. mentioned, check in with that old dream and see if it's still as difficult as you thought it was going to be. And who knows yeah. what could happen? Let us know. Yeah, hit us mm. up on Instagram. Tell us, tag us. Ah, look at me painting something because Jennifer inspired me, or yeah. whatever it is. Your line stamps. Share yes. us your line stamps if you create any. <laughs> your yes. yes, yes, very, very exciting exactly. stuff. So what's next? Well, you know, because it's not like you haven't got much on. What's happening next in Jennifer's world? What what can we look forward to? Because something to check in on uh, in another Um, three years' time. In in another three years' time? We come back in another three years' time to this episode and we'll be laughing at us. All right, so let's, let's, let's do it now. So the Ikigai book has been sold and published. Let's put that out in. Uh, the, The editors were persuaded that uh, it had enough legs to be in the market. That's definitely um, a dream of mine. And I'd love, oh, it feels really edgy to say, like, you know, having a better, no, a better app portfolio of work. And I feel like I've found more ways to, more vocabulary to creatively express myself. Um, that that sounds interesting um, and what, what that would look like in terms of exhibitions. I don't know. You yeah, can see every, like, you're, you're laughing so at me now. Up, like looking, I can see you. You're yeah. just like in a candy shop, like thinking about all these great things. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm like, well, when then... things done, like, it'll be fine. Yeah, totally. And yeah. the book, yeah, yeah it, it will be, it will be yeah. what it is. 
that it will be what it is, but amazing experience that you've had just this getting this far with it, right? Like how many people get as yeah. far as you've gotten, like it's with the publishers or, or yeah, it's with the people, somebody's looking at it, right? Like a lot of people are still in the pile yeah. or in the, in the rubbish. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, thank you. To, thank you to my, my agent who, who started yeah. it all off. Thanks Maria. So we'll see, you know, it was her, it was her idea actually, you know, she approached me to write the book. So um, also if someone approaches you to write a book, do it. Yeah. Right. Amazing. <laughs> because if it, yeah. yeah um, it's a definitely, I, I was talking to a guy who's like a proposal coach and he's just like, why, why do you want to go out to other agents? This person has approached you. Like, do you know how rare this is? Do you know how rare your experience is? And I was like, no, he says it's really rare. And they're a good house. You know, they're, they're, a, they're a, um, a reputable agency. Like, go for it. Okay. Um, consciously, yeah, so no, good. unconsciously incompetent. Like you didn't oh, yeah. know what you didn't know, right? About exactly. books and stuff. Yeah. Amazing. So I think, I think that's, that's an interesting thing as well. Like if you, when you do something new, just, I think that's what I'll have to do over the next three years is just trust that all of the steps which are required will become, will, will become obvious and will emerge when they need to yeah. and not needing to know all of them no. from the, from the very beginning. Not right yeah. now. No, right. Not yeah, right now. Yeah. What's the next big step yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Yes. Right. And trusting yeah. that. Yeah. It's hard. It's the yeah. hard part. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Exciting. And just having that, mm. having that ability to like ask when you don't know. Yeah. Be okay. To be like, I don't really know what a proposal is supposed to look like. <laughs> I don't really know how to like, how, how do I, what, how do I do an exhibition? But then also there's maybe something as well about going, do I need to follow the status quo? Like, do I need to follow the norm? Maybe mm. being new to something and being the new set of eyes can also be, you have, you don't have the same stories and the same baggage about what's possible. So that's. Mm. Yeah. We beginners. could just like do your own thing and nobody's ever done it before. And that's new and exciting as well, but you don't know that you're, that's not what everyone yeah. does. Yeah. So sometimes being <laughs> unconsciously incompetent, like ignorance is bliss, mm. right? Yeah. Right. I did, oh, I didn't know we weren't allowed to do that. Yeah. Is that not how people do things? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That. Uh, what is it? Uh, I'm getting confused now. Um, unconsciously incompetent thing, and then switching over to being consciously incompetent is kind of painful, and it's something we all experience, especially if you've come to live in Japan and you arrive and you think oh, I'll be fine and it'll be great, and you get here and then it's don't read anything no. yeah and it's, uh, even if you've like studied Japanese for six years before you came like someone who's on this call today and got here yes. and was still completely illiterate and yeah knew nothing um yeah. yeah it's a really harsh wake-up call but you know then you can eventually come out the other side and soon you'll be yeah consciously competent and then just yeah breezing down the highway okay. I always think oh. of like driving a manual car you know how have, did you ever learn to drive you know I can't drive but you went to driving school didn't you I had some lessons okay and and never sort of finished it never, okay never took my test okay well if so. you ever learn to drive a manual car you will know that at first it takes all of your concentration to do it and you can't yeah. speak to anyone and then one day you're just driving along chatting away to your friends and it all happens so yeah that's my example that I like to think of when it comes to yes. consciously 
incompetent, etc. Yeah, you can you can get there. Yes, <laughs> just takes time. But, and but also as well, actually being consciously incompetent is a great place to be because it it kind of keeps you. For me, it's like keeping me learning and keeping me like humility is not one of my known traits um, <laughs> it, it's definitely humbling mm. um on from that perspective as well like to just like how can we know how can we know everything we can't ever mm. ever 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 so if you're just open to be consciously incompetent and that there's so much more information than I'm thinking about some of my coaching clients right now and they're, they're, they're all in that transformation stage. They're ready to step up into like a, a new level in their organization. And that's like the biggest thing which is holding them back is needing to know everything. Right. But when you're going to be a director or the, the head of pharmacology or whatever, like you can't. No. You can't mm. know everything. So you have to be okay. Mm. Like being, it's a little bit different to consciously incompetent, but you have to be okay to be consciously like 70% ready or 60% ready or something or or just to be it's just be okay that you can't know everything I'm sure there's a fancier way and some some great person has made a beautiful model about it it's not quite consciously incompetent because we don't want you to be incompetent in your job but ah omnipotent what's the opposite of omnipotent omnipotent right is is all knowing Mm. So whatever the mostly omnipotent, non omnipotent. <laughs> I don't know. Well done, Somewhat Oxford English literature degree. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, parents. Yes, the, the, <laughs> investing in my classical yeah. education was whatever the the opposite of being omnipotent is. You have to be okay with that um, in in any role mm-hmm. in your life, mm-hmm. and that's what we all experienced yeah. in uh, in COVID. Yeah, we all like. We don't know what's going to happen. No. And we have to be okay with that. Mm. We thought we knew, but now we don't. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Like I was talking to someone today and I, and I just reminded me that it's not finished and it's not going away just yet. And it's uh, something we're going to have to be not living with, but dealing with in, for mm. the foreseeable future. So yeah, might as well just get on with yeah. stuff and, um, do what you can so yeah, yeah. it's not gonna be I don't over. know how much time we have left on this recording but I want to share one more thing <laughs> which is it may be more but I read a brilliant article in the Guardian that was talking about like the what we're experiencing this this is obviously from a UK perspective but this is the social death of COVID right so what does that mean it means that whilst the maybe COVID has become endemic more mm-hmm. not quite it's mm-hmm. the, not officially been downgraded by my understanding um but at some point hopefully it will be and it's all this living with covid but the social death is where it is not talked about and it kind of is not something that we put our um our awareness to and and the author of the the article looked for literature art social commentary um, post the Spanish flu and couldn't find anything. Mm. So most, you know, wars, people write about wars, right? And they write about the fallout, like the second world, Mm. uh, first world war, 1918, Mm. right? It's the same same kind of timing. Mm -hmm. My history is correct. Um, But Spanish flu, 
mm. was not celebrated, was not written about that, that trauma mm. wasn't handled. And it's almost maybe COVID is, is mm. going through the same thing where the way that we collectively deal with it as a society or our different societies is to pretend it didn't happen. Right. It could easily um, happen, right? Like you can sort of feel it already a little bit. Like, was it all just the dream? And did I make up my feelings about the last two and a half years? You know, this residual feeling that you probably, a lot of people probably still have. I know I have about what happened over yeah. the last two and a half years. Did I just make it all up and I need to suck it up and move on? And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and there isn't that, yeah, that processing of the trauma. So we, we, we make this very quick social death so that we can just get on with it rather than it not, it's not finishing. Mm. It's quite interesting. Mm. Um, it would be interesting to see what continues to happen in that. Like when, when is it, mm. when does it end? Mm. Yeah. And, how, you know, for many how things. How would you process have, it as well? There's, like, that's another question, right? Like how? Right. You know, like a war ends. Yeah. Right? A war, war ends, has a date when it's finished. And there's a remembrance and, and there's, you know, you take time to remember the fallen people and lost yeah. lost mem family members and things. But yeah, COVID, not so much. Yeah. Mm. And, and I think, you know, because it's not ended, ended, but there hasn't been, yeah, there's not any sense of that. Let's remember there is, I I'm sure, you know, on, on, on the families who are directly, but there's not like a collective over COVID grieving yeah. process mm. or, yeah, or like, let's, uh, mm. let's thank, I, I know that we've had different kinds of thanking frontline workers, yeah. but not recently. No, um, that's still what got very real for them, right? And the, yeah, with. yeah. Mm. It, so it's, it's, it's interesting to, to see what, where that will go, how it will emerge and um yeah what how art will process it mm. will it even will artists even process it yeah. directly mm. there's something about i was you know covid drama like people wearing masks and being in lockdown like those stories aren't selling okay. people don't want right. to don't want to don't want to talk about it interesting mm. Yeah, I think that leaves us with a very it interesting was... thought to think about, doesn't it? How are you processing the last two and a half years? Are you processing? Are you putting it in a box? Uh, does it need processing? Or are you okay? Like, yeah, maybe you are, but yeah, maybe not. Mm. Exactly. Something to think about, that's for sure. Yes. Wow, Jennifer, we have traversed a lot of topics over this last <laughs> hour. Thank you. But it's been very great to hear all of the things that you're trying and so inspirational that you can do these things from the comfort of your home. It's not like you're traveling all over the world and there are no excuses, right? Yeah. Like you can get into these art classes, you can publish a book all from your own home. Yes. So anything is open to you now and you're definitely an inspiration for how you are, are doing that. Likewise. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank we'll you. check in with you in three years. Time. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. When I'm on my book tour. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah, stop by. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> yeah. Thank Bye. you. Bye.